Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. As part of a mentoring collaborative with Uganda Christian University's journalism program, today's interview is conducted by a student in Mukono, Uganda. Hello everyone, you are welcome to another topic of transformation. I am Andrew Bogembe from Uganda, Africa. Some topics call for the wisdom of accomplished achievers. Such a topic as fake pastors has honored me with the opportunity to interview a renaissance man, the former vice chancellor of Uganda Christian University, who has achieved high rank in academic papers in mathematical statistics, theology, and more. On top of that, he's a father and a husband. You are welcome, Reverend on Dr. John Senyonyi. Uh, thank you very much. Like you have heard, my name is John Senyonyi. I am married, I always want to say that, to one wife. And we've been married for more than 36 years. And we have four children, three of whom are married now. And we have grandchildren. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ in 1976 as a university student. Even went for postgraduate studies, did a PhD uh, in mathematics. I'm a mathematical statistician. Uh, taught at Makere University for some years until 1987. And at that point, uh, I was asked by God. It was a calling, but also invited by the late Bishop Festo Chivengere. And so I spent 13 years doing evangelistic work on the continent of Africa. I have been the vice chancellor. I've worked actually at Uganda Christian University for 20 years, starting out as the university chaplain. Then after that, I held two portfolios as deputy vice chancellor before I became vice chancellor, which position I held for 10 years. And this is until last year, 2020, when I retired. And now I am comfortably in my home doing my own things. Thank you so much, Reverend. I'm glad to hear that you've also talked about Uganda Christian University, and that's where I actually study from right now. So you well know about the phenomenon of fake pastors that are rising today. As a reverend, can you describe for us these people so that you can enlighten us? It's very interesting with many people who are going into ministry, and many of them are going with a lot of zeal and uh, need a desire to work, but there are others who go into it for their own personal benefits. The sad thing is that a good number of them are not even prepared to handle the position of pastor. Many of them have not been trained. Now, this kind of thing, the discipling, I think is lacking in many of these pastors. So they get saved, and I do not want to doubt their salvation. And maybe because they admire or whatever, or they're excited, they immediately go into ministry. Now, in my case, even with all that knowledge, even with all that exposure, I still had to go for theological training. If you look at being a pastor in some sense like a profession, although first it is a calling, then it becomes a profession. And the truth is, there is no profession that you can do without being trained. And uh, I think part of the problem with many of these people is lack of training. I remember someone sent me a podcast on whatsapp and i was listening to this one of these popular american preachers they were seated too he was talking to his fellow preacher and uh, it's still fresh in my mind because he used genesis chapter 2 verse 5 
to prove his point that God created man to manage the world. And so he read it to this other pastor, who of course was saying his hallelujahs, was saying, you know, affirming what this one was saying. And uh, personally knowing the scriptures, I've read it, I've read them. I decided to take out my Bible and look at it. He kept on adding the word because, as he read that verse, chapter 2, verse 5. You know, it's talking about the grass had not grown, this had not been in place. And he kept on saying because, because, and then in the end he says because man had not been created. There is no word like because there yeah. at all. And so many people have become fake pastors either by lack of training or by lack of discipleship that they themselves have not been discipled. Now, the other thing that has, of course, brought about uh, fake pastors is oratory. Many of them are very good orators. And um, so with oratory, they add on uh, passion, they add on dramatization, mm. and they add on all sorts of false promises some of them even make claims to prophecies. And those prophecies, of course, nobody ever goes back to even prove or even to ask yourself, is this really God speaking? And their understanding of even what we call a prophecy is itself faulty. Yeah. Uh, because a prophecy is not necessarily telling what's going to happen in the future. A prophecy is God's word spoken to us now, that really is what prophecy is all about. Yeah. And uh, it's a real pity. But I think, generally speaking, they use oratory, they use a lot of passion, yeah. and um, they make themselves popular in some way or the other by making all sorts of false promises. Yeah. And believe it or not, people follow. And make no mistake, yeah. the people who follow are not necessarily the uneducated, they are not the illiterate. They are not unknowledgeable. In fact, some of them have been working as believers for a long time, but they're still gone. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Reverend, are these preachers a new phenomenon? In Africa, there is what we call cultural invasion. Is it that cultural invasion that is feeding on African vulnerables of poverty, lacking? So, are they because of that? I think I do not want to attribute fake pastors entirely to foreign invasion. Although I do not want to say that there is no influence yeah. from elsewhere. And most of the influence has tended to come from the economic side. That uh, many of these fake pastors, especially those that preach the so-called health, uh, prosperity gospel, you know, health and wealth. Yeah. So to that extent, there is definitely influence that has come uh, from the richer countries. They already have the money. So even when they preach about wealth, it's visible on them. And so then there are those who are locally groomed. And I think most of those actually in Uganda are local. Yeah. They are locally groomed. But then, of course, they have seen what's happening with the others. They've seen other pastors uh, probably get rich. And so to that extent, they also now start talking about wealth. Let me give you an example of another pastor that I know. And uh, we had uh, children, all of us had children in the same school. And I remember I was with my brother, who was also a believer. He's now with the Lord. 
And we all had children in the same school and we were sitting there and talking with him and saying, why do you tell people lies about these things? And of course, he kept on sliding through and all that. We said, why don't you come back to the Anglican church? I think it was my brother who asked him, why don't you come back to the church from which you, uh, you evicted yourself, <laughs> if I can put it that way? And his answer was very telling that I cannot forget because he said, what will I eat? What will I drink? How will I support my family? So here is someone who is in ministry not because he was called. Actually, he had another job at McKenna University. He had another job. So it's not like he had no salary. Yes. But he found being a pastor lucrative. He could make a lot of money. Yeah. And that was the question. It just blew me away. Not that I didn't know that this is the reason why these people do this thing. But that someone can be so bold as to say it to our faces. Yeah. That what will I eat? What will I drink? How will I take care of my family? Mm. And so he was in this. And so you find there are those people who have clutched onto being pastors because they know it's good business. Yeah. And I think those are the majority, actually. I'm sorry to say, they are the majority. Mm. Even those who may sometimes, by the way, who may have been called, mm. and God has indeed called them, it's very easy to also go astray. Yeah. And you start looking at your calling as a place for your bread, mm. rather than being faithful to God in your ministry. And I think that's what has happened with many, and particularly the many churches that have sprouted, and so on and so forth. So we had a number of those scandals, some from our Ugandan pastors, some from other pastors. Mm. So that just tells you one of the problems, the problem is not entirely a Western problem. Yeah. The problem is also local. Mm. Isn't this pastoral work itself an expression of freedom of expression? We say that they are false preachers. So, isn't it a sign of freedom of expression, uh, freedom of worship? Yeah. Tell us more about this. I am a very strong advocate for freedom of worship. Mm. For the very simple reason, and let me just say this, mm. for the very simple reason that uh, in Christianity you cannot compel faith. Yeah. Okay. The Holy Spirit has to speak to the person. The person gets convicted and convinced of the salvation in Christ and comes to Christ. Yeah. Uh, I read somewhere recently, and I think very well put, that uh, the only way, the best way to overcome falsehood is to positively proclaim the truth. Yeah. Now, when we proclaim the truth, there are those who will believe, there are those who will not. Mm. And let's not think that those who don't believe, for some reason, must be compelled, must be forced, or must be um, stopped from speaking. No, I don't think that's the way. Mm. You cannot stop people from speaking. The only way that they can come to Christ, because some of these are probably not even saved, anyway. Yeah. 
<laughs> some of these so-called pastors. They're not even saved. I mean, God knows, but I suspect that a good number of them. Because when I hear some of them speak, you can see they don't even understand salvation. So there is a real difference. So freedom of worship, I think, for me, mm. is one of the most important. Even if it is the witch doctors. Mm. Uh, I mean, it doesn't please me. It grieves my heart that people can continue to believe the falsehoods of witchcraft or of uh, religions that don't know Christ and so on. Mm. But I've got protected. Yes. Inevitable. Thank yeah. you so much, Reverend. So would you advocate for a lighter government control of these false preachers? You know, my position is government has nothing to do with spirituality. Mm. They too need salvation like <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Government is a political structure. Mm. And when you bring politics to manage matters that are spiritual, mm. you're also forgetting that some of those people that are in government, in their religious conviction, are at the same level as the fake pastor. So government has no role whatsoever mm. to evaluate what is true and what is not true. Mm. In any case, any person who is in government comes with their own biases. Mm. So you cannot use the law to make a discrimination between who is fake and who is a... Yeah. No. And in any case, how are you going to succeed? Mm. Because in Christianity, mm. You have fake pastors. Virtually, let me just say, in every religion. So yeah. how are you going to <laughs> fake according to their conviction, that is, mm. right? Mm. Fake according to their conviction. Mm. So how are you going to make this distinction? In fact, someone said, the truth is one, but there are many imitations. The imitations are always many. Mm. So you don't want a situation where you use the law. It mm. just won't work. So government, keep out, keep out, yeah, <laughs> keep out. Yeah. And for us Christians, we must be clear. We must try our level best mm. uh, to proclaim the truth and to help people to stand where the truth is. Yeah. yeah. So, are these signs of what Jesus Christ was speaking about in Matthew twenty-four, chapter twenty-four, chapter 24 verse five? He talks about a lot. Yeah. About it. Jesus says that many will uh, come speaking in my name. I think when you talk about Jesus himself and what he said, needs to be given proper context. He was talking about the last days. Mm. But at the same time, some of the things he said appear to be much nearer. I don't want to go into a full expose of what that actually means, but I can point you to Acts chapter 2 where Peter begins to preach and then he says, the Bible says in the last days and he's talking about the pouring of the Holy Spirit and he talks about in the last days I will pour out from Joel chapter 2. Mm. Now, the point that is very clear there is that as far as Peter was concerned, as far as the apostles were concerned and even Jesus was concerned, the establishment of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit actually started the last days. Yeah. So the last days are not just now. The last days have been here. Mm. And uh, we may say, well, it has taken such a long time. Yes, it's because our own reckoning of days mm. is very different from God's way. But all of that is last days. And to that extent then, 
you will find that since the founding of the church, um, fake pastors have been with us. Yeah. I think one of the very first ones was uh, what was called Gnosticism. It's written with a G, G-N-O, Gnostic beliefs. Uh, but there were others. Okay? Mm. The Gnostics, for them, they believed that Jesus did not have a physical body. Mm. And when he walked in the sun, there would be no shadow of Jesus. They also went on to say the body is bad. It doesn't matter what you do with it. It's only the spirit which is good. So now when you say that the body is bad, what do you do? You can use it for whatever you want. You can do sexual promiscuity. You can do whatever, even eat in a foolish way and so on. Mm. So that, that's what they believed. And that, by the way, brings <laughs> something that I wanted to mention. To realize that when what people teach is wrong, the life that their adherents live will end up being wrong. Yeah. It's inevitable. Yeah. False doctrine, false teaching leads to uh, false lives, not really Christian lives. Mm. So anyway, that's what Jesus was really talking about as far as the last days, and the false teachers have been there ever since. And what is happening now, I think, in my own understanding, is that because of an explosion of communication, there is a real explosion of communication. So now, a false teacher in the U.S., can be heard in China, can be heard in Africa, can be heard in Iceland. So essentially now, the false teachers, just like those who are not false, have opportunity to proclaim wherever they want. Right? Sure. So it does not matter where the person is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know mm-hmm. how people are yearning for yeah, yeah, God's yeah. intervention. So what is hope for an innocent spiritually needy person? I think there is always hope. I never, I'm not one to lose hope. First and foremost, I think for those of us that are keen on teaching the Bible, uh, one of the most important things that we need to do is discipleship. Uh, I think this is probably one of the weakest areas which has led, in fact, to some of the falsehoods that we are struggling with, that people have not been grounded in the Bible. People only hear the Bible from the pastor. They don't hear the Bible because they are taking time to reflect on it. So, there is hope. But that hope must be in bringing people back to the scriptures. Bring people to study, to memorize the scripture, to meditate on scripture, to study the scriptures in groups, Mm. to uh, read through the entire Bible, to listen. So it does not mean that listening is bad, but its position, it's given a prominent position where it does not belong. So thank you very much. So in order not to eat up the innocent Mm. individuals, Mm. 
what mechanisms would you suggest that should be instituted in order to go away with this phenomenon of fake yeah. pastors? Mm. Yeah. Well, I should say first and foremost, I don't think you will ever completely get rid of them. But that should not be said with pessimism. I'm saying that in cognition of what the scriptures actually tell me, what Jesus himself said, even Paul writes about it in First and Second Timothy, particularly Second Timothy. So what we can do is to ensure that people are exposed to the truth. And maybe a good number of them will be saved out of that. I would say that in a case like that, I would want to see a church that is built on the model of discipleship, discipling them, Christians, mm -hmm. rather than on the model of coming to church. You see, our model right now is coming to church. You hear the message being preached. Does that mean the person's life has been transformed? No. So the model itself has to change. Mm -hmm. The model has to be rethought. That each local church should be a church where people are given an opportunity to get into the scriptures themselves, mm. put it in their heart so that they can know exactly how to work. And then when falsehoods come, and this is the point I was making, mm. that positive proclamation of the truth is the best way to ward off lies and falsehoods. Mm. I think. Yeah, so thank you so much. You decided not to ask me who. <laughs> <laughs> Problems, my. No, 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 no. Really? Yeah, actually, I wanted you to cite out some <laughs> cases. Uh, maybe one, one last example. That happened, in fact, a year after I'd come to Christ, 1977. Uh, there was a teaching that came in. It had actually been prophesied, so to say, by one Branham, who had even died by that time. And this Branham had said that uh, Jesus Christ was coming back on the 7th of the 7th month of the year of 1977. He was using 7, just playing on it. And so here we are in university, and we had a good number of very, very uh, fervent believers and that, that was actually the most interesting thing because the people who were most fervent are the ones who went to believe this. And the so-called coming was happening in July and our final examinations were in June for that particular year. And so a good number of these students decided they were not sitting for examinations. And what does the university do when uh, you decide you are not going to sit? Uh, you have failed. The University of Nairobi had a very interesting letter that they would normally write. They say, you are advised to go and practice, exercise your talent elsewhere. You know, it's ridiculous that actually believers continue to believe the garbage that is all around us. You know, I'd better even say... Um, from the early church, one of the reasons why the early church wrote what we now know to be creeds mm. is because of falsehoods. Mm. Is because of falsehoods. So when you talk of the Apostles' Creed, I think those are the common ones now. Apostles' Creed mm. and uh, Nicene Creed, which was uh, crafted in a conference 
of church fathers or even when you talk of uh, there is another teaching called the teaching of the twelve apostles the Dutch mm. so these these things were actually written to combat false teaching you know mm. to say this is what this is what faith is all about yeah. it's not about that uh, not everybody is going to be rich <laughs> you're right, right? <laughs> yeah not everybody is going to be rich. And, not ever, and, and if you don't want anyone to get sick, how are they going to die? <laughs> Unless they have stopped being, <laughs> being human beings. <laughs> they are going to die. Now, to say that does not mean I don't pray for people to get money, I yeah. don't pray for people to get jobs, I don't pray for... Yeah. But I don't make it the gospel. That's not the gospel. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much. It's been so enlightening. Okay. Yeah. This has been Andrew Bugembe, a student in journalism at Uganda Christian University in Mukono. My conversation today has been with Reverend Canon Dr. John Senyonyi, a well-accomplished man on the relations of fake pastors with the scriptures. If you have a comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast on the story of transformation, send an email to hoptalks at davidsucc.net. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope.